0: It's March of 2018, and we're in Volokolamsk, not too far outside of Moscow. We're listening to one of the many protests that overtook Russia in the late 2010s. Some of these protests had over 25,000 people. At many of them, protesters hold signs, warning of the beginning of the end, an enemy of the people, and even a genocide. The cause of these protests is trash. My name is Seth Varkas, and we're going to be talking about trash. Russia has had a major problem with municipal solid waste. Essentially, there's too much of it, and the infrastructure can't keep up, especially in and around Moscow. What happens is the trash gets taken to landfills in such large quantities, and it's not treated, that it just piles up, and it smells bad, and it looks bad. Residents are understandably not happy. The thing is, it's framed as a health problem. Which makes sense because, I mean, the fumes from trash can't be good. But at the same time, many of these regions have problems with industrial pollution. Which, according to scientists and other health experts, is a much greater threat to these people's health. So, there has to be another piece of the puzzle. And that's what I'm looking at here. Essentially, why trash? And why now? If this problem isn't just a health problem, what kind of problem is it? Is it political? Is it about the environment? I spoke with Bella Nikitina, a Russian sociologist and activist in Samara. She's one of the few people who's formally researched the trash crisis, and she had a lot to say. It turns out the problem isn't that simple. She told me that a big part of the problem is that people are disconnected from the trash that they're protesting?
1: We will say, don't throw away the piece of paper. Please put it in a trash bin and you will be fine. Uh, The problem is you should care about where it will go from this bin, what will happen next, who will serve this system of bins, what will be economical consequences.
0: In other words, the trash that you throw out is just a small part in a longer sequence of events going from the production of goods to the consumption to throwing out the trash and then what happens to that trash. A lot of people don't think about this entire sequence of events when they're just throwing out a wrapper, for example.
1: So I think that this is problem of underdeveloped stage of the whole society and the the whole social system. The garbage became garbage in one minute, even one several seconds, or maybe several days after something was bought. So people don't even particularly think about where, what, why they take.
0: So people need to be more conscious of what they're consuming and the waste that they're producing. But easier said than done.
1: Can we do it? No. We can't until something happens on the high level. We need political will.
0: There seems to be a certain disconnect between the trash that individuals produce and the trash that they see piling up. So culpability, or lack thereof, is part of it. But there's also the very simple element of visibility.
1: Population can react on the problems which is visible. For example, in Russia, people have no very you know, serious reaction of climate change. But what we can see, which is near. And the famous not-in-my-backyard ideology, of course, united all kind of people. Citizen, of course, don't like to have such beauty near their uh, residential area. And it's really, as you know, backyard. Because where is landfill mostly situated? They're mostly situated in the poor outskirts of Moscow, of other cities. And of course, these people who living there have weakest power in political sense.
0: So trash piles up, and a not-in-my-backyard mindset guides a lot of the thinking. This isn't that surprising, and not-in-my-backyard is definitely not unique to Russia. We haven't yet answered how and why the problem came about in the first place. There's an explanation, and it traces back to the Soviet Union.
1: When I was young, I used to use the real track, which came and we threw away some garbage there and it was very few garbage. There was no candy wraps. We, we collected, we, we show each other, we exchange them. Can you imagine now such kind of a situation? And of course, all kinds of things which now everywhere was in deficit. So we uh, w- was very hungry and 1990s, the whole period uh, was also period of, of deficit, but not because of there was no Chinese stuff, but people have no not so much money. And then era of high oil prices started, and we have a lot of uh, money which allow them what? You know, it was too much to buy, but it was not too much to refuse.
0: So people began producing more trash. But at the same time, Moscow was expanding.
1: This territory, which is growing, came very close to the places where landfills was situated. Nobody, of course, take it in consideration. Moscow was small, became big, and the volume of these huge hills of garbage became bigger and bigger. And like in a fairy tale, once upon a time, our, you know, wisest in the world leader, Putin said that, ah, we need to close uh, uh, one of these very dangerous and old uh, landfill, Balashikha Because there was a resident who complained and said, look, it's really next to our building. And Putin said, immediately close it. But you know the effect of domino. When something started to fall and everybody will fall, fall, fall.
0: Then you have a problem. You close some landfills, but you still have the trash. So what do you do with it?
1: Imagine when somebody closed your toilet in your apartment. What you will do? You can't stop. You can't say, okay, I will not use it two weeks and then I will start. So Moscow have this unstoppable flow of garbage. And where to put it?
0: Federal and regional governments have responded to many of the protests by closing landfills or stopping their construction. But, as Nikitana pointed out, the flow of trash hasn't stopped. She told me that the decreasing flow of trash would require major changes in how goods are produced and consumed in the country and how the waste treatment system works. For example, recycling is essentially non-existent, and there's no reason to expect that to change anytime soon. The federal government, however, has made changes to waste collection, including the creation of the Russian Ecological Operator, a company to carry out the "quote-unquote" effective and lawful management of waste in Russia.
1: You can reduce the scale of this landfill if you will have system of selection, waste selection, and here we have another situation. It's like a greediness from one side, why you want to have more and more garbage, but not this recyclable? First of all, first your idea will be, ah, these people want to have these recyclables to have a profit from rec- recyclables, but not. It's not a big part. The biggest part, unfortunately, in, in Russia, to have a payment for this huge amount of garbage.
0: And the Russian ecological operator specifically?
1: Mamma mia. It's absolutely absolutely, you know, unnecessary chain between uh, regional operators, so-called regional operators, and some uh, national bodies.
0: So essentially the changes look pretty significant, but they're really not going to do too much to resolve the trash crisis. As for a prognosis, Nikitina isn't too optimistic.
1: Who will discuss about this? We have no enough experts. Why? Because we have very depressed public sphere, and it made especially. So maybe you understand that I am very politically mm, concerned about situation here, and of course as the most progressive part of Russians, we are a little bit depressed after all situation here. And of course, I, I must say you, if we will have Putin more, we will have garbage problem more and more and more till the total crisis. without changing this mad political machine. We will not do anything. So I don't know what to do. As for me, I'm very pessimistic. So we shouldn't even think about how to transform this system while we are in such political situation.
0: It looks like trash is here to stay. Thanks for listening. I'd like to thank Bella Nikitana of Samara State University of Economics for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you also to the Monterey Summer Symposium on Russia in general, and Sean Gillery in particular, for making this possible. The music is courtesy of filmmusic.io.